Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Um, we're coming to you live from Cloud Foundry Summit again as kind of the official uh, podcast of Cloud Foundry Summit. And we've actually got something completely different uh, tonight. Um, our guest used to code for a living, and <laughs> but I was actually an uh, author, and the uh, book is actually soon going to be made into a movie. We'd like to welcome to the show Andy Weir, author of The Martian. How you Hi. doing? Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you're actually speaking this evening or at the Cloud Foundry Summit, correct? That's right. I'm giving uh, the keynote. Ah, so, so tell us a little bit about that, first of all. Like, how does the book, The Martian, compare to being at, speaking at a conference here? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, it doesn't compare very much to speaking at a conference, but the, the, uh, the topic of the speech is basically going to be how I kind of bungled into a publishing contract and, and a book uh, and a movie deal um, through pseudo open source ideology. Um, the book was originally, uh, I made it, it was a serial that I was posting to my website for people to read for free. And I got a lot of reader feedback and uh, accounted for it in the following chapters. Uh, when I had things that were scientifically inaccurate, people would tell me it's wrong. And so I'd go and fix it. So there was like a collaborative effort in writing the book in a lot of ways. And then, so you, you kind of see, this is like basically almost like writing a book using open source ideology. Nice. And nice. then that led to all sorts of really good things for me. Yeah. So, so you're, we were talking, you know, before you push the record button, you're friends with Sam Ramsey, longtime uh, sort of uh, college mate, friend, and so forth. How, how did you guys connect the dots to put these two ideas together? Um, well, I'm not sure. Uh, Sam had suggested it. Yeah. Uh, he said, like, hey, come, come speak at Cloud Foundry. And um, he said, like, uh, you can uh, kind of do the keynote on whatever you want. And I thought, well, I would, I, I'd, it'd probably be good if I, made it relate to uh, what they do there. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, uh, so that's what I came up with, and everybody liked that idea, so uh, we rolled with it. Cool. So for those that aren't familiar, um, tell us a little bit about the premise of The Martian, first of all. Uh, the Martian is about uh, the third manned mission to Mars, and an astronaut um, named Mark Watney is one of the six crewmen on it. And uh, due to a violent dust storm, uh, the, they have to abort the mission and leave, and Watney is left behind, believed dead, but uh, he, he isn't dead, and uh, now he has to try to survive for as long as possible using only the equipment for a Mars mission intended to last 31 days. Yep. And best opening line of a book ever. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> I'm not going to give it away if you, if you haven't read the book. Just go read the book. Um, but So I also wanted to ask you, I'll get to the movie in a second, but um, I actually listened to it on audiobook before I read it. Uh -huh. um, one of my buddies said, you, just, you have to, first of all, it was a great book, but I forget the, the, the guy's name. Narrator, actually, uh, yes. Bob Bray. Yes. Oh, R.C. Bray. Is he his, was yeah. fantastic. He really is. I yeah. mean, he was just amazing when it comes to, because there is a lot of, and again, goes to the movie a little bit. There's a lot of, you know, he's alone on Mars. Who do right. you talk to? Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, a first person story um, is, is, is great as an audiobook when you have a good narrator like uh, like R.C. Bray. And so because you really feel like he is the protagonist because the protagonist is the narrator, right? So it came across great. He did a great job. Yep. Now, so 
we, we already said before, you, you can't tell us too much about the movie, but we know you've had right. a peek at the script. Uh, yeah, they sent me... Well, so my main job on the film was to cash the check. And <laughs> there so, you go. Yeah, so I did well that. Played. I did that. Um, but they chose to include me. They didn't have to do anything. They could have just said, like, well, we're done here. But they chose to include me. And uh, so they sent me the screenplay to get my feedback. And um, I gave them feedback. And they made some changes based on what I said and ignored other things. You know. yeah. But it was cool to be included at all. Yeah. But, yeah, so I've, I've, read, I've read multiple versions of the screenplay. And uh, like, like you said, I can't really uh, talk about it too much. But I can say that I'm very happy with it. Nice. And I'm, I'm very pleased with uh, how it's going. I think it's going to be a great film. Great. Do you? So a lot of times, you know, especially actors. I think you know, is it official uh, who's the lead yes. for this? Okay, so, oh, yeah. so Matt, Matt Damon. Da- Matt Damon. Oh, I mean, you know, in fact, he, they're done filming. Yeah, so he's in post production. I mean, so he, okay. you know, he's known for being very uh, studious. He goes and, and and I mean, does he go and pick your brain? Because obviously, it's it's hard to find a lot of people that have been to Mars to, to sort uh, of. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I have also you know, not been to Mars, right. but, but but in terms of picking your brain, like what were you thinking or what what, what emotion were you trying to get across? Is it um, any time? Yeah. Well, I didn't. I didn't. I have never met. Okay. Um, or spoken to matt damon or ridley scott or or any of the stars related to it. uh I'll, I'll meet him at the premiere yeah nice. <laughs> so nice. i get to go to the premiere that's in my contract but uh but yeah i've never met uh, any of them uh i i've met drew goddard many times uh he he wrote the screenplay adaptation um he's also known for uh he wrote cloverfield he directed cabin in the woods he wrote a bunch of episodes of lost and buffy the vampire slayer he's a very beloved yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. writer and um, yeah, right now he's uh, working on the next Spider-Man movie uh, as a director, and, and I think he's also writing it. I'm not nice. sure, but uh, but yeah. Other than Drew and uh, the producer, um, the, the producers of the movie, I haven't met anyone. Um, so they they filmed it in Budapest. So oh, wow. it's not like it was Budapest right next door in Mars. L.A. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Mars, the exteriors, uh, the stuff that looks like Mars was filmed in Wadi Rum, Jordan, which is a desert in Jordan. Or yeah. Nice. So, okay, going back to the self-publishing for a second, um, you put it up chapter by chapter, That's and right. then yeah. you self-publish it on Amazon. Right. And um, to kind of tie a couple threads together, so I doing a podcast, but I listened to podcasts since, you know, podcasts just were coming out. And there was an author by the name of Scott Sigler who did his books because you couldn't really self-publish at the time. He did his as a podcast. Right. Uh, Well, I mean, you could, but your your quote-unquote self-publishing consisted of putting documents up on your site. Exactly. Yes. And he he did what I recently, yeah, he's like, you know, if you had to do it again, what would you do? And he said the same thing. I would do Amazon self-publishing because it's just, it is a great way to really, for those that are out there, get out in the industry. Oh, absolutely. I, I, one of the things I say when, when people ask, oh, you know, what are your advice? What's your advice on writing? One of the things I always say is this is the best time in history to self-publish. Like there has never been a better time. It's just, there is no, there's no longer an old boy network between you and your readers. You can just make whatever content you want, post it up there with absolutely no financial risk to yourself, and see if people like it. And you, you lose nothing other than the time you put into writing it, which presumably was your passion, so you don't mind that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, uh, we have a lot of people who, who will listen to the show who you know, uh, deal with a little bit of... of sometimes self-publishing, but sometimes self-marketing and so forth. Like, How did you... Was that sort of in your personality to, to want to do that? Or how did you go about going, I like what I wrote, and then all of a sudden people are giving you feedback, and how do you take that personally and then keep pushing it so it did become big? 
Well, uh, so for starters, I was a software engineer for 25 years. Oh, okay. So and so, um, like, I'm used to doing collaborative work, right? I'm used to, like, getting feedback. I'm like, hey, guys, this is my idea for the class structure for this next project. And then I've got a room full of engineers saying, well, that sucks. You know, so, I mean, I'm used to <laughs> feedback. Um, but... Uh, uh, in terms of like marketing it, I didn't do anything to push it. I was just um, doing creative writing and posting it to my site. I did absolutely nothing to to get people to to read it. I just it, I I slowly accumulated readers with by writing short fiction and making web comics and stuff like that over about ten years before I'd even started The Martian. Oh yeah. wow! Okay. And then uh, and then you know, and shortly after, or maybe even before, I'm not sure. But around the time I started The Martian, I also wrote a different uh, short story called The Egg that mm -hmm. was really popular online. And that brought a lot of readers to my site and got a lot of people um, uh, signed up for my mailing list, which helped, yep. I'm sure. Yeah. So what, what other than the self-publishing aspect, any advice you would give to budding writers out there? Absolutely. Uh, number one is um, you have to actually write. And I know that sounds... Every single like, day. Well, no. Well, that's great if you can swing it, but ignoring the scheduling thing, a story in your mind is just a daydream. <clears throat> it's, not, it's not a book until you write it down. Yep. Uh, so it's easy to sit there and think about an awesome story idea. The hard part is like actually writing it. Right. And people, people will say, like, oh, I've got this awesome idea for a five-book series of the Intergalactic War. Well, you know, how much have you written? Well, none of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's number one. Number two is resist the urge, and this is really hard, resist the urge and the temptation to tell your friends and family about your story. And of course you want to. And what's even worse is like, if you've got a good story idea, your friends, family, whatever, they'll be interested. They will actually say like, oh, that sounds cool. Tell me more. And they're not just feigning interest or, or, or uh, indulging you. They, they are genuinely interested. Thing is, when you verbally tell someone your story idea, it saps your will to actually write it because it satisfies your need for an audience. So make yourself a rule that says the only way anyone ever finds out about this story is by reading it, and that'll motivate you to actually write it, or it'll help. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's great. And Absolutely. The, and the third thing I have to say is uh, just what I was saying before, is that there's never been a better time to self-publish. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to the actual writing of The Martian, um, I had read that it, it took you literally years to write it and a lot of it wasn't necessarily the writing but a lot of it i think was the research was that correct of yeah that's right it took me about three years to write mm -hmm. and i would say i spent about half that well bear in mind i was the, this was three years of my spare time i mean right. I, had a, I had a full-time <laughs> yes. job yeah. yes um but uh i would say i spent about half my time doing research um lots of math and science and physics so i'm a dork so i like doing that stuff and it was fun but yeah it, it's time consuming I didn't know anyone in aerospace or anything while I was working on the book. I do now, <laughs> but not, not while I was working on the book. So it was just uh, Googling around. So, so what was the um, – how much of it is like today's technology versus things that were maybe – fudged a little bit or something that's going to come to fruition someday? And well, where were kind of some of the liberties taken? Well, uh, Everything that is in the book exists today. Mm -hmm. Like, there is no completely made-up technology in the book. Some of it, however, is a lot more effective than anything we have today. Um, uh, so a few of the hand-wavy things in the book are the sandstorm at the beginning. Um, a real Martian sandstorm doesn't really have any inertia uh, because the atmosphere is so thin that, yeah, it's 150 kilometers an hour, but it's 150 kilometers an hour of point 
0.06, you know, or 0.6 percent of an atmosphere. <clears throat> so there's just no force. It doesn't hurt anything. So yeah. that was hand wavy. But most people don't know that. Most people have this notion of a sandstorm on Mars being like a sandstorm on the Sahara or something. Right, right. Another one was um, radiation. I made this one hand wavy statement sort of in the middle of the book saying like, oh, yeah, the, ha- the HAB canvas is hardened against radiation. Ta-da. But... <laughs> In reality, that is very difficult. The only way, the only technology we have right now for stopping radiation is mass. Just put yeah, stuff between lead, you and yeah, the radiation. Right. Yeah, lead or water. <laughs> water works really well, actually. Um, but yeah, and so there's just that's complete BS. Um, and then, uh, but for the most part, oh, oh, yeah, and also the ion engines that power Hermes, the ship that they use to get to and from Mars, are those. That's a real thing, and they really exist. And we've, we have, we humanity have already sent up like spacecraft that use those engines, but nowhere near the kind of output that Hermes's engines can do. So gotcha. they're kind of a next gen thing, but it's real technology. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's sort of like that great line. There's a movie called uh, uh, "Thank You for Smoking," where they're talking about this. Uh, the the smoking companies are trying to like brand in outer space and he's like you can't have you know smoking in outer space and fire and the guy goes yeah you just make up the thing where you go remember we invented the whatever thingy that so it doesn't make us explode in outer space so sometimes you take a liberty yeah how much how much are you, did you follow all the mars rover stuff i mean how much oh. do you sort of follow it and go hmm what can i pick up for next a book or just pure curiosity or uh pure curiosity about curiosity yes yeah i uh i was uh, i'm i'm a huge fan of anything related to mars so of course i was very closely following the the mars rover stuff I, I went and I, I watched it. Actually, I went over to my dad's place and we watched it land together, you know, on NASA TV. Uh, really cool. In fact, while they were building it at JPL, um, they had a webcam and you could just, like, whatever, you could just yeah. log in and yeah. just see the clean room techs working on it. And I just had that up on a monitor at work, like, nice. just on what I had a multi monitor setup and I would right. just have that on one of the monitors at all times. Um, actually, it's kind of funny. Uh, curiosity. They when they were so, at this point I'd already um, written most of the book and um, I was fixed on the locations. I could not change the places that it took place. Like yeah. there are critical locations on Mars that uh, I don't want to give away spoilers, but they're yeah. important. Right. Um, and uh, when they were choosing the landing site for Curiosity, they narrowed it down to four places. Now the one they ultimately chose was Gale Crater, which is um, far nowhere near where anything on the Martian takes place, but. One of the final four candidates uh, before they chose Gale Crater, along with Gale Crater, one of the final candidates was Marth Vallis, which is a place that the main character, like, goes right through. Yep. And it would have been really inconvenient for me (laughs) if they had done that, because then uh, I would have to, like, people would say, like, well, wait, isn't that exactly where Curiosity is? Like, where's that tree that you didn't talk about that I just saw? (laughs) And so, yeah, exactly. So... Well, that's funny. It's funny you mentioned that. Um, there's that tree that, yeah. Um, uh, so recently, like, so long after the publication of the book, recently um, uh, the scientists at University of Arizona who control the, uh, um, I think, Mars Global Surveyor or Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, I'm not sure which one, but one of them has the, the high-rise data, and it's a high-rise camera. It's basically a spy satellite camera for Mars, and it, it has a resolution of um, one pixel per foot. Per oh, square wow. foot. It's this incredibly high res yeah. scans from space. And so they're like, 
hmm, I wonder what the Ares 3 landing site really looks like. So because the book tells you exactly where it is, like sure. latitude and longitude. So they looked at it, and they got this really super high-resolution picture, and they're like, hey, this doesn't look anything like it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, come okay, on. come on. <laughs> but, uh, but it was awesome. I, I, it was real friendly. They emailed, we emailed back and forth. They had me write a, comment, a yeah. commentary up on those images. <laughs> sure, so, sure. It was awesome, though, just to have that data. And I had asked them, like, ooh, can I have the... Can I have the imagery? And then they sent it. Nice. That's awesome. So so completely shift gears for one second. Um, You and I share um, another book that we we both really like, and that's Ready Player One by Ernest Klein. Excellent um, book, and I I absolutely cannot love that recommend book. it enough. Agreed, I, I, and yeah. another one you know going to be made into a movie before too much longer. Spielberg, um, I hear. Yeah, Spielberg's directing. Yeah, um, but but what was, what was really really cool is you actually wrote a short story based in the Ready Player One universe. Yep, I was that big a fan. I had um, to write a fanfic. <laughs> and and what was amazing to me, um, and I, I apologize, what was the name again? Lassero. 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 Yeah. I'm not going to give it away. <laughs> it is a five minute read, probably tops. Like yeah. it's, a, you know, like you scroll down once yeah, kind of thing. Right. But it, it will absolutely, like, almost change your view of the book in a way. <laughs> uh, and again, won't give it, right. won't give it away, but you kind of go, oh, wow, if that would have been really cool if, if, if that if that if that were true then that would be interesting but of course it's not canon right yes. it's just a fanfic but, exactly uh i sent it to ernie and he liked it yeah. he said it was cool yeah. that's i mean it's a great <laughs> twist so i yeah. know, again recommend everyone go read that but so we we, we got to get you out of here you've actually got to go uh, a keynote to go give here before too much longer yeah. um What's next? I mean, you used to code for a living and write this on the yeah, side. Are, are you ne- still, we're at a, we're at a sort of a developer conference. Are you still writing code and stuff? Is that still no. interesting or mostly writing, writing? Well, I mean, it's interesting to me, but I quit my day job. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I quit to go full-time on writing uh, last April. Okay. So um, just over a year since I uh, went full-time. Working on my next book now. Uh, it's a more soft sci-fi thing. It's a you know, it's got aliens and and well, faster already, than light travel. Told you, he can't tell you about it because yeah. you won't read it, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. That's right. Um, and uh, but um, I'm probably about maybe two thirds of the way through the first draft right now. I've well, I've got a I've got a deadline. You know, I've got a contract and a deadline. So, right. Yeah. Well, and is it is it easier to write? Something like that where you don't have to do the fact-checking and people aren't going to pull up satellites and verify your... Well, um, <laughs> yes and no. This, this story is much more complicated than The Martian, which was very linear. Sure. Martian's just problem-solution, problem-solution. This is m- much more complicated with lots of subplots and stuff. It's challenging for me. And um, also, I do have, like... I'm still me, so i got to be as scientifically accurate as I can. I said, here is the thing that allows faster than light travel. Here's the thing, the physics thing that I made up that lets it happen. But everything else is going to be like either scientifically accurate or based on that thing. You know, so I I, I have a full explanation for why FTL works. It's made up physics, but it's, but it's internally consistent. Yep. <laughs> no, makes sense. Makes sense. So we're going to wrap this up. We're going to let you go here. Um, so we are out of time. So Andy, where can everyone go to find out more about you, about the Martian, about the, you know, the fanfic and some of these other things you got going on? Uh, the best way, I mean, I could, I could spell out the URL, but the, the best way is just to Google Andy Weir writing. Okay. That's fine. And yeah. we'll put it in the show notes, too. Okay, great. Very Absolutely. Cool. Very cool. Um, well, listen, uh, so this was good. Aaron, Aaron's been sort of holding back. I was worried he was going to go all Chris Farley. Yeah, no, I completely <laughs> this an enormous is a, this sci-fi is a, fan. This so. is a geek uh, moment for me. I completely <laughs> admit it. So thank you for coming on. This has been fun. It's, been, uh, it's cool to... 
the, the, the creative process, the how you're connecting it to sort of what software developers do and, and the, you know, just the fact that it's, people are able to do things on their own. And like you said, mm-hmm. big things could happen. You just got to plug away at it. You got to find an audience and yep. that stuff's all very cool and inspiring. So thank you very much for being on. All right. Well, thanks for having me guys. Absolutely. Thank you. Until next time, guys, take care. 